Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Premier League Updates. I feel like I have lost a family member, says one fan. I just feel lost, confused. I don't know what's happening, says another. This club is dying with every game, writes a third. A fourth says this would take years to sort out. These are supporters of United, of Manchester and West Ham. Both sets of fans disgruntled, to say the least, after humiliating Premier League defeats last night. Manchester United lost 2-0 to Burnley, the Clarets' first win at Old Trafford for 58 years. Meanwhile, West Ham were humbled 4-1 by Champions League chasing Leicester City. So with disarray at both clubs, why not ask the people who really care about them here on Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. News, views and opinions from true football fans on this podcast. And joining me to vent their frustrations on this episode, from the red half of Manchester, we've got Joe McGrath. Hello. Hello, Joe. And of Hammer's Persuasion, we have Jim Salverson. Hello, Jim. You're right. Can I just correct you on something from your intro? straight off the bat the people that really care about the clubs I think that is diminishing quickly and I think this is a case for Manchester United and for West Ham at the moment I'm sensing an apathy creeping into both fan bases I think it's a really dangerous place to be we'll get our teeth stuck into that in a second I'm Niall thanks for downloading the podcast hit subscribe so you don't miss another one and follow us on Twitter at the sports social Well then, after another couple of midweek games of Premier League football, where do we begin? I think by virtue of the fact he's had a whole 45 minutes longer to stew on it, seeing as the game finished before the Manchester United (laughs) one, let's talk Hammers, Jim. Can Uh, we start with United? No, no, let's start with West Ham. They are United, you're both United. The only saving grace with West Ham's performances at the moment is we can laugh at Manchester United a little bit. It's not good. (laughs) As I hinted at the intro, I'm kind of past angry with this Mm. now. A few weeks ago, I was angry and I was worried about relegation. And now I'm just a little bit apathetic about the entire thing. I look at the state of the club and the state of the team, and it is an absolute joke the way the football club has been run over the last five years that has culminated in this season, which I am now 100% convinced will result in relegation from the Premier League. There is no worse team on current form in the Premier League than West Ham right now. And I don't blame the players on the pitch. And I don't blame David Moyes, and he's a very easy man to blame. 
I blame the three stooges at the top of the club. It's David Gold, David Sullivan and Karen Brady. And the way the club has been run over the last five years has not set us up for any kind of success in the future, let alone the success that we were promised, this promised land of European football that was offered on a plate in front of us. It's an absolutely shocking state of affairs. I saw, and we are going to get relegated this season. I saw one West Ham fan, probably in the heat of the moment, say that he doesn't think that the club are going to get to 30 points this season. I but don't to see be where our next honest, points are going to come from at the moment. And you look at the next month of fixtures that lie ahead for West Ham, and you look at the players on the pitch at the moment are absolutely devoid of any confidence. That first half against Leicester City, and there was an improvement in the second half, they just didn't seem to have an idea what was going on. You could see them looking around at each other going, well, this isn't working. Before a goal was even scored, when Leicester City were knocking at the door and they were getting in behind us, we were letting players like Ineacho get mm. six touches in our box. I mean, <laughs> what's going on? And they look completely devoid of confidence. You look at the run of fixtures we've got. We've got next Wednesday, we've got Liverpool. Yeah. Then in February, we've got Liverpool again. Yeah. We've got Manchester City. The only winnable game that is coming up in our fixture list is Brighton. And that's no, by no means an easy shot at the moment. I wouldn't back us to beat anyone at the moment. That's the worrying thing. So I think, yeah, maybe we won't get 30 points. What does David Moyes do? That's a big question. Isn't that it? is a big question. <laughs> he must have known when he was, I was sold the dream again of taking over West Ham that it was going to be tough. The dream? <laughs> the dream. The dream would be that you didn't know you, you're going to, what you're going to do is you maybe pump you with some money in January, make sure that you've got a squad that can that can keep West Ham in the Premier League and then you take over again next year. I don't know what the pitch would have been to David Moyes if That's it wasn't something like that. I kind of don't get about the scenario about Pellegrini being sacked and David Moyes being crazy, born in at the period he was because he was clearly brought in ahead of the January transfer window with a view to bringing in signings yeah. during that window. Yet, from what I hear, he has identified targets and the club have said no to every single target crazy. he's identified, which is kind of how... Golden Sullivan run that football club. That's undermining the manager at its very core, isn't it? Very much so. And we all know that Golden Sullivan like that bargain basement. They like getting a Jack Wilshire in on a free transfer, paying him £100,000 a week to sit on the treatment room table because he's deemed as a potential bit of good value. But the obviously the targets that Moyes have identified don't fit into that category. And there was talk of Gedson Fernandez, which was a pie-in-the-sky dream, but various talk of players right across Europe that would see a considerable investment but would be the type of player we need and that isn't the kind of place that West Ham spent money. Are West Ham's owners just romanticists? They want to sign the you know the Johnny Be Lucky from League Two who comes up and scores 15 goals in the Premier League in his first season and fires don't. West Ham to promotion. Are they really those kind of owners? Are they no. these big dreamers like we've like you say the West Ham fans have been promised we've got the new stadium, the London stadium, they've got the chance of European football. None of these things have really materialized. Is that just poor vision from the owners or is that generally just bad execution? I don't think that would be a bad thing if they were that type of ownership. We look at places like Sheffield United where that has worked. They've gone and cherry-picked players from League One and the Championship that have done well in the Premier League. But it's the complete opposite of that almost. And I remember uh, two seasons ago, three seasons ago, James Madison was offered to West Ham for £20 million and that was turned down. Traore was offered to West Ham for £15 I think it was. That was turned down. I'd love it if West Ham were looking at the lower leagues and cherry-picking these young, hungry, potential superstars. I think that is the way the club should be going. We have a scouting network. Guess how many scouts we've got at West Ham? How many scouts you got, Jim? Guess how many scouts? More than 
Zero. <laughs> More than zero. Five. One. They have one, one scout. scout at West Ham. I, I, this is what I've heard. I don't know whether that's true or not. But that isn't a way to run a football club to what? identify those new potential targets. What they love is those end of career players that are yes. just coming to the end that maybe have had a little bit of a injury run or have got like Zabaleta and Jack Wilshire and players like that. That's the kind of player they seem to go after. And it doesn't seem like the way to run a football club. Crazy. And yeah. I do look at West Ham at the moment. Sorry, I'll shut up in a minute. No, I do right. look at West Ham and I think there's a big warning, a big flashing warning light for Manchester United over West Ham. And the only difference between the two clubs at the moment is the distance they've had to fall. Yeah. So West Ham are right at the bottom at the moment, but they haven't come from that high. <coughs> Manchester United are getting there fast. Mm-hmm. And you look at both clubs and you go, this is what happens when you let a football club just drift. Just drift a little bit. It's not complete neglect. There's been dribs and drabs of money to invested into both clubs at various times, but there's been a lack of a plan and there's been a lack of an identity that both clubs have kind of experienced. And every season you lose 2%, you lose yeah. 3%, you lose 5% of your quality and of your, your identity almost as a club. And as you drift, suddenly you realise that you're in the brown stuff yeah you're not you're not in a good place are you which is what happened uh for both of us last night it's a cre- it's a creeping rot it's a sh- it's a slow demise and it's been that case for west ham and it's been that case for manchester united and it's really worrying obviously there's been a lot of backlash towards the owners of both football clubs and we'll come on to manchester united in a second is there really any case for fans staying away because premier league football is a commodity it's an it's the entertainment business even though you know we're almost always treated as customers rather than supporters mm-hmm. nowadays which is really sad in my opinion but is there a danger because it is now this sort of entertainment rather than the sport that we all used to know and love that there won't be any backlash towards owners? Because even if there's a 10 year season ticket waiting list, the people that say, oh, I'm giving up a season ticket, I'm boycotting, I'm voting with my feet, I'm not turning up. You'll still get another row of 50, 100 people waiting behind that season ticket mm. for that one seat. Is that ever going to be an issue in the Premier League. Are we ever going to see real campaigns against owners that work? And the amount of money that actually they get in via ticket sales is massively insignificant compared to whatever they're getting off Sky TV and whatever they're getting off shirt sponsors. So Mm -hmm. it's a very small part of revenue. Well, I know people in their late 30s that are getting emails from football clubs saying, I'm sorry to inform you, you won't ever get a season ticket in your lifetime. Well, I can't get a ticket at West Ham because we there's a, such a small portion of that stadium that is available for general sale. Most of the tickets are season tickets. I mean, it's a mat. They sold them off for like two, three hundred quid a season ticket mm. at West Ham. So it's not full every season, yeah, every yeah. game, but you can't get a ticket for love nor money. So, And then we saw the protests at West Ham uh, get ahead of the whatever the last home game was. Was it Sheffield United? Whoever the last home game was, mm-hmm. Everton. Uh, we saw the protests before that and there were 5,000 people, some people said, somewhere between 2,000 and 5,000, the numbers were a bit sketchy, protesting about the ownership outside of the London Stadium. Won't make a blind bit of difference because they're still going to the games. And what, what, who, why, do the, why do the ownership care that they're getting a bit of stick off a small portion of the, of the fan base? I don't know what fan bases can do now to potentially change an ownership but it seems like the options are very limited former supporters trust simple as that it's then, the best but, way but, to do it but then what's the what's the what's the what do you mean and buy the football club as much take, as you can oh, bloody hell. the more the more you've got, got some big investors yeah yeah four, yeah. four billion yeah <laughs> but uh, i mean the more you the more you, fans you can band together and form a supporters group there's no point having seven different supporters groups just club all together mm. and form one but just making a bit of noise yeah. and complaining isn't going to make any impact sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't we'll have to wait and see on west ham right then manchester united burnley 
one at Old Trafford for the first time in 58 years. 1962, Joe, the last time yeah. Burnley won at Old Trafford. I, I'm, I can see you're ready to tee off I'll as tell well. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this as one of the things that has frustrated me. Since Fergie left, the amount of stats like that that you've thrown at uh, people have thrown at me, if it's Swansea, West Brom, if it's just... Clubs you never would have thought would have got a win at Old Trafford because Fergie and the managers before them have built up a legacy that hasn't been broken for so many years. Uh, we got a lot of, um, you know, these these smaller clubs would see Old Trafford and they would only write off. They'd write off any, you know, they'd hope for a draw. But now Old Trafford is a place where you hope to, to turn a bit of history. You hope to get 38, uh, 58 years just forgetting about it and then you get a 2-0 win. At, um, at the theatre of dreams, are we still calling it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, last night was shocking. Burnley getting a, a, the first win in 58 years. I'm sick of hearing them stats, but I'm sure there'll be more uh, along the way as we go through the season. Clubs are going to Old Trafford now. They're not seeing it as it once was. Uh, there was, I remember there was a time when I was f- first falling in love with football. I, I must have been about 10, 11 years old when you really got what football meant. Van der Sar kept a clean sheet at home for a Guinness World Record amount of time. I'm sure it was over It was over a 1,000 hours. If you can find the Guinness World Record, Van der Sar kept a clean sheet. That means no goals were scored against Van der Sar for over like a certain amount of games. I might be at home, but I'm sure you're all Googling it now whilst I carry on my rant. But he was the man. And that ground, the defence was solid. The structure was unbelievable. The goalkeeper would never let goals in. Burnley scored two last night. That would have been shocking for United back in the day. Uh, have you found it? 1,311 minutes. I think you said 1,000 wow. hours, which would have been... <laughs> Sorry, 1,000 hours, that would have been crazy. 1,000 minutes, he didn't let a goal in. Like 15 seasons of football. It's still good though, season. that isn't it? Still that good is still that. pretty it's good. Still good but I know what you're saying. Yeah. F- f- to go from that in the space yeah. of 10 or whatever, 15 years, to then conceding two against the Burnley side, oh, Burnley which, side have, which have struggled in the last yeah. few weeks. But again, so a lot of, uh, the, the when you look in depth at what it was, yes, it was a, a squad without Rashford, without Pogba, loads of these sort of, oh, some players were injured, but I think a lot of people fell, in lo- uh, fell out of love with uh, Ollie bit more last night those fans that even ho- held on to the fact that there might be hope at the end of the tunnel they slipped down a bit it was Martial not putting in a shift it was our midfield slacking it was no creativity around that that that, that when we got the ball we just looked like we didn't know what to do and this is a Burnley side isn't, isn't there an element though and I mentioned it before about a club having an identity and having a kind of a system almost yeah. Burnley knew exactly they knew what exactly they were doing what, they were so clever they were clever <laughs> I can't believe it there is no identity there is no structure you never know what United you're going to get there is no philosophy there's no football you can identify in the way he plays is nothing. that is that Dyche's experience up against Solskjaer's yeah, experience yeah and, and, and Dyche did did one over on Ollie last night and it was unfortunate there's certain uh, uh, stats that get thrown around after a big defeat like this and we're looking at uh, 32 games under Mourinho and 32 games under Solskjaer when Solskjaer's been a Permanent manager. Um, so wins. Uh, Mourinho got 17 wins. Ollie's only uh, managed 11. Uh, losses. Mourinho got beat three times uh, in his first 32 uh, games. Uh, Solskjaer got beat 12. He's been 12 times in his first 32 games as manager. Uh, with a goal difference, uh, United have scored 26 uh, goals. He had 26 goal difference under Mourinho. Solskjaer, zero. We're not putting the ball in the back of the net. Clean sheets, 14 for Mourinho. Four for Solskjaer. Here's the worst. Well, you got to think as well. Sorry, one of those Mourinho defeats was against Juventus. Yeah, it? yeah. yeah. So, so think of the teams that they're losing to. A as well. worst comparable stat, and I think Manchester United are protected slightly this season by how competitive the league is. Yes, and the fact that you're still in and around that fourth place, which really on the form you're in, you shouldn't be. But Manchester United have a worse 
points per game record this season than Watford had at this stage last season. Crazy, isn't it? Which is an insane stat. So yeah. what is going on? Well, there's just got to be a bit of something about the club. I don't think it's to do with... I think Oli is a bit out of its depth. Um, I think the only reason he's still in the job, he's a very, um, he's a bit of a yes man. He won't cause a headache for the board with Mourinho. I, I bet there was a lot of headaches for that board in the changing mm. rooms, in the, the emails flying about. Mourinho would cause the right stir, but all he doesn't, he's still happy to be in charge this United. Do you know what? I think it'd be really interesting to see at Manchester United because I think Solskjaer, there is a certain portion of the Man United fan base and the tide is turning on Solskjaer this kind of hero status is slowly diminishing, but mm-hmm. he is a, still a very well-respected member of Manchester United's history and Manchester United's current setup as well. What would happen if he walked from the club, he resigned, he didn't sack, and he spoke out against the board and said, I've been lied to, I was promised a replacement for Rash for, uh, for Lukaku, yep. I was promised investment in the playing squad, this hasn't happened, the board are at fault for the problems at Manchester United. If Solskjaer... Because Louis van Gaal kind of said that yeah. and Jose Mourinho kind of said that, but at the end of the day, they both had massive payouts to think of and non-disclosure agreements to yeah. consider, so they couldn't say too much. If Solskjaer walked out of that football club as a respected person who loves the football club, then his comments could actually be a real seed for change. It could be. It'll add fuel to the fire that was burning pretty uh, pretty bright yesterday, especially with the second goal going in. The whole of Old Trafford seemed to turn on Woodwards and Glazers, getting all sorts of stick. Again, it's only noise, so uh, just put some sound-canceling headphones on, I'm sure Woodward would, and he'll just crack on with his with his job that he gets paid millions for. Um, we have got, uh, we've got a, quite an important month, you would think, with Rashford being out injured, Pogba, you don't know what the mystery's around uh, uh, that man, you know, so there's no creativity and there's no one putting the ball in the back of the net and in January uh, one of the richest clubs in the world who are doing so poor yet have signed no one so are we the richest club in the world will this stay around for for much longer no it won't it will fall it will crumble it will crack Manchester United's share price went up yesterday despite the fact they lost 2-0 to Burnley that's so, because they can feel something coming don't they that's because the share prices often do that when they feel like there's a rumble in in certain managers maybe moving away whenever, whenever something big a big story happens that's always when the share price might boom so maybe there's talk about Oli getting the boot but you know you've just seen that uh, sky running the story that he's been giving the uh, the boards back in yeah, but who are the board who are they that, come on why aren't you saying something at the board Manchester United if you're a shareholder at Manchester United it's a great place to be because they look after the shareholders <laughs> They pay yeah. decent dividends. Oh, the club's so worth a lot with, more than it was. How the club does on the pitch. Yeah. It's how the club. If you're an investor, yeah. yeah, get shares in Manchester United. But let's talk about the actual squad. We've had a message here on Twitter uh, at the Sports Social on Twitter. Send us a message as well if you want us to ask a question or or if there's anything you want us to discuss on the podcast. Fraser says, please discuss on the podcast why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer isn't getting the monetary backing he needs to improve the squad. Squad depth is a massive issue with no real excitement out of the starting 11 and even those 11 lads aren't exciting at the moment. Plenty of people defending Solskjaer on Twitter saying, I don't think another manager could have come in with this squad and done a better job. I don't think Pochettino could have come into Manchester United with this squad and done a better job than Solskjaer. Solskjaer's named the youngest squad age in the Premier League for the majority of this season. 
why isn't Solskjaer getting this monetary backing, Joe? And are those excuses valid for you? Is there is there worry about the money? Is there worry about what how much money we've actually spent and not getting any sort of? I mean, let's let's be. How many other managers fair. spent 150 million quid in the summer? Yeah, let's be fair. The money that United has spent is actually okay. Has it been done wisely? No, it hasn't. You look at United and you look at Liverpool, the two things is the money is probably not that much difference, but Liverpool bought wisely and they bought with a sensible head on them. They made sure the people they were getting fit the squad. They weren't mm. just bought mm. rash, uh, rashly. Like you can see, I know we didn't pay for him, but the Sanchez move was so bizarre. But yeah, we didn't really need him, but the money we spent on him, because yeah. he would sell shirts. It wasn't a wise investment. Everything Liverpool and City do, they are wise investments, City not so much. But you've got to look at the way <laughs> Uh, the way Liverpool, you know, they bring players into the squad. It's unbelievable that every single thing that they needed to fix, they fixed it because they've done it with such thought and care around who they spend their money on. Yeah. But yet United's money is just splashed all over the place. Well, they, so maybe they're sick of it. Maybe go, I don't want to spend more money. This is the thing, right? Jimmy said, oh, what manager would spend £150 million in the summer and, and not get a tune out of the players? In my opinion, I said this a few weeks ago, £150 million is the new £50 million of two, three transfer windows ago. I said it about Seb Haller, 40 million, 45 million. Mm. It's the new 10 million, 12 million. That's what it is. That's the market. Since Neymar moved to PSG for a ridiculous 220 million euros, the yeah. market has trebled. Manchester United have got money. They spent 85 million or 80 million on Harry Maguire up front. They paid that money up front. It's not in instalments. It's not drip fed. It's not paid in parachute payments. It is up front money. Still, there still aren't many teams that have had, even if you say, right, 150 million is the new 50 million. Yeah. There still aren't many teams that have had that level of investment in playing squad. No, but Manchester United are always going to be squeezed more because of who they are as a football this club. This is true. The thing is, I think Solskjaer deserves a little bit of slack for the young players that he's playing. But the problem is, is this experience. These experienced players that you've got around the young players, they've been there for so long and I don't think they're really up to scratch now. They've just let go Ashley Young and look at some... They're all players that were still there seven, eight, nine years ago. They should be bringing players in who are sort of in their mid to late 20s five years ago who are now the experienced ones at Manchester United because with young players, and I think Rio Ferdinand said this on the telly last night, with young players, they're going to be inconsistent. They win some, they lose some. Look at Chelsea. They're finally figuring out... That with young players you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Yeah. Frank Lampard's Man- lost eight games. There's players this in that Manchester United squad. Manchester United, with the team they have, even with the team they have, and there are holes in the team, there are deficiencies. Should be playing better than they are. There's too many players underperforming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Fred yeah. is a better player than he's showing. Martial is a much better player than he's showing. David de Gea isn't playing particularly yeah. well at the moment. Maguire seems to have forgotten how to defend that big old head of his. I know he's kind of crazy. Knowledge has flown out of it. I think what when I assess like when we because obviously in, the, in these situations when we chat about. United, you obviously want to put the blame onto someone, but I think at the minute, right now in this club, there is no one who can take. Obviously, you might say the board can take fully the blame, but when it comes to the managers and the coaches and the players, they're all as bad as each other. The players aren't performing to the likes that we know they can. Martial had a shocker yesterday, but is that because the manager's fault, or is it what he's doing in training, or or whatever? Is it to do with money side of things? There is a cocktail of disaster at United at the minute, and that is why we are so poor. So. I don't know. From what a player point of view, do you think maybe they're not performing to the level they need to because they aren't getting any of the blame for it? They're kind of 
they're basically getting a bit of a free ride because the anger is being directed at the board rather than the players on the pitch. Well, here's another thing. I, uh, maybe it's like uh, it's like this. Maybe they see Ollie as like a substitute teacher, if you get me. Let's just say this. And you're the kids in the class. right? The substitute teacher never made you do that good at your work, did you? But you enjoyed it because it was all right. It was more than a serious teacher. So maybe the players aren't coming out and saying anything like that because they don't want to rock the boat because they can't be bothered. They just want to earn their money and they just want to ride out this substitute teacher style class life because it's a bit yeah. of fun where you United, we get paid a load of money. We train uh, and we play football. Yeah, we might get beat, but I don't really care because the love's not there, is it? You know, Matic isn't—he doesn't care about United fans. You know, other play, other players. They, uh, Maguire's a new captain. He doesn't like give a, gives a crap. They're just riding out this sort of. Oh, he's a nice man because if they rock the boat, they're scared. If they rock the boat, they're worried. Someone comes in and realizes how bad they are as footballers. They'll be out the door. They'll be worried that they might go into the championship. Some of these players. They'll be worried that their big wage at United will not be paid. These players are in a lot of money because they're just getting an easy ride because a lot of people are shifting the blame onto Ollie. They don't want to come out and say anything because the love for the club isn't there. They come out and say anything. Who knows? The board go, all right, let's sack him. Pochettino comes in. Then Martial has realised he's a bad player. He gets the boot. And then where is he? He's not earning the money he should be earning because he just he's sort not, of... He's not a bad player. He's not a bad he? player, but he, he, he's too inconsistent to be a good player, I'd say. He's average. I think it'll be interesting to see where, wherever he goes next, and it won't. It will be out of United within the next twelve months. Wherever he goes next, I think it'll be really interesting to see how he does. What about these comments then about? No one could have come in and done a better job than Solskjaer with the squad that Manchester United have got. Do you buy that? No, don't buy that. I do buy that they wouldn't have done to the best of their ability that they might have done in previous jobs. Uh, but I do believe they would have done better than Solskjaer's now. I'm not deluded in thinking none of the top managers would have got better out of certain players. I agree that is the case. I don't think they will. I don't think we'd have been going for league titles. I don't think we'd be getting a, no. a cup run. But I do better. think they will be doing better. Even when you look at Mourinho. Mourinho didn't. Obviously, he spent some money. He bought some bizarre players like I mean Fred's obviously coming good in the last couple of games but he's becoming good just because the rest of the squad are becoming poor do you know what I mean so you don't really know about Fred but Mourinho did quite well you look at his stats he wasn't that bad he got United second in one of the Premier League titles now we're fifth in other seasons I remember seeing someone uh, often of this podcast Steve McInerney uh, City fan but loves talking about United for some reason on Twitter <laughs> he said that we'd be ninth now if this was uh, over the past couple of seasons you know because the Premier League has dropped yeah, yeah. a bit in quality with the points we've got so you know what was that Mourinho Reno stat you said 32 games and 32 lost, games he lost three he's been the manager of Tottenham since the 20th of November he's already lost five yeah, right. yeah. It's got, he was, he's alright uh, you know the more I think the more I miss him <laughs> would you would you have given like, retrospectively looking back would you have given Jose more time rather than sacked him yes I would have I think the defeat was just too it was such a big defeat to Liverpool which really rocked the boat it was coming there was a lot of disruptive um, episodes where we thought what's going on here but we did just come off the back of it we didn't beat Juventus uh, away from home and I remember that thinking this is the new this is the new Manchester United uh, and then obviously such a big defeat but you're realising that you think to yourself okay it was a massive defeat to a very good Liverpool side right one and you look at a defeat that we had uh, two defeats spring to mind last night's defeat which was shocking I don't forget we got beat by Cardiff the last game of the season 2-0 who just got relegated that by the way Trafford, yeah. and you think that defeat there is worse than getting defeat by a good Liverpool side 3-1 at Anfield mm. at Anfield so you know I look at it and go crikey did we make a mistake did we jump the gun too soon was Mourinho United this dream partnership that could have been for so many years but what about LVG 
Would you give yeah. him more time? He was wild, LVG. He was too well wild. And he's out of his depth a bit. I wouldn't have given LVG more time. What about David Moyes? No. <laughs> See, that's the struggle. And everyone Eight keeps going back had. to that. Eight months he had. I think... He was I always going to be tough, though, wasn't it? The first manager after Sir Alex was always going to get some sort of backlash. After, after the way Sir Alex left with the club, you know, having won its 20th league title, yeah. I think David Moyes was always going to be at the, a poison at the sharp end of it. Yeah, absolutely. It was. It was a poison chalice. And, you know, it, it's just tricky. It's tricky. OK, if you support West Ham or Manchester United, let us know on you Twitter. You have our sympathy. You're... Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You've also got our Twitter handle, which is at the Sports Social. So let us know what you think. If there is any questions you want us to ask on the podcast, then let us know and we'll try and squeeze them in where we can. So thank you to Fraser on Twitter for sending in that question. This is Football Social Daily. I think these lads have spent a little bit after their rants in this first half of the podcast, but stick around because we'll be talking about the latest Premier League transfer news after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, your only daily Premier League podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow or whatever it might be and you'll never miss another episode again. I'm Niall, I've got Jim and I've got Joe alongside me in the studio. We've been talking about the troubles, the respective troubles at Manchester United and West Ham United. Issues with owners, issues on the pitch, just issues in general really (laughs) and passionate debate here in the studio as always. But now we're going to talk about the latest Premier League transfer news. And you know what? I've written down in my notes, it's the same old few, because it is. It's the same old three, Ericsson, Cavani and Bruno Fernandes. Now, Bruno Fernandes, Joe's been linked with Manchester United for what feels like an eternity, at least two transfer windows now. He's not in the building yet. A lot of people saying that there's been a bit of an argument over Mm -hmm. a small amount of money between Manchester United and Sporting Lisbon. Let's just say he does come through the door. It's not going to solve Manchester United's problems straight away, but it will be a help, certainly. It'll, it'll be a big boost. It'll be a help. Obviously, we're lacking that bit of creativity in midfield. Uh, you'd say that our defence is oh, all right, obviously a bit sloppy uh, against Burnley. You know, you've got some good characters in there. You wonder, oh, why is it not working as well? There's so many questions asked there. But one thing that isn't working is the distribution between the midfield and the attacking line. It's getting the ball to, to Daniel James, getting the ball to Martial, to Rashford when he's back. And that's what Bruno Fernandes can do. It's the the, the missing link. Pogba used to do it. Um, McTominay's quite good at it as well. But, you know, we've had both of them out. Fred is doing his best in there. Matic is just woeful. I don't know why he ever gets a, a, a game at the club. Pereira can do one. Lingard's shocking. Matt is old. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Bruno Fernandes can only be a little spark into what isn't the best. But it could be a building block for next season. There's always this speculation at this time of year about, you know, who's coming into what club. And, and like you say, Jim, a lot of pies in the sky you get at this time of year. Edinson Cavani to the Premier League, one of them, do you feel? We've been speaking about it for the last week now. Links with Manchester United, links with Chelsea, links with Tottenham. Six months left on his deal. He's 33 in a, in a few weeks' time. You know, it'd be a good time for him to try the Premier League, but... The Premier League's almost becoming a graveyard for those players that want to come and get almost their final payday of their careers. Do you know what I mean? It feels very much like he is going to leave PSG, but whether it's going to be in January or not is a completely different matter. And I think also he's one of those players that would suit a move in January for clubs more than a move in the summer, because in the summer it tends to be clubs looking to the future and building for next season, whereas January is your stopgap. You need a bit of quality to hit the ground running, which is why... 
Cavani is being linked with these clubs that are shorter goals at the moment. It mm. would make a lot of sense for him to make that move now, but that is going to come with a hefty price tag, both in wages and PSG are going to want a decent transfer fee for Cavani as well. I'd love to see him in the Premier League, though. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I think it would be good. Yeah. I was excited for when Ibrahimovic came at yeah. an older age to join Manchester United, and, and he did really well. So, yeah, and I'd be excited to see Cavani in the Premier League. Christian Eriksen, again, it's almost certain he's going to leave Tottenham. Again, a player that Manchester United fans not long ago, Joe, were saying, you know, we take Christian Eriksen. It looks like he's going to go to, <laughs> he's gonna anything, go to Inter Milan. He's been a good servant to the Premier League. Yeah, um, Eriksen's just uh, thrown his toys out the pram in a way, but I thought Mourinho might be able to change that. Because uh, obviously sometimes he has a, he hits it off with certain players, you know, managing under him. It's not been the case as such. Ericsson will be a good player wherever he goes, but he just needs to kind of go, I think. Mm. He needs to just go in the summer. He doesn't want another season like this. This is one of those seasons that he's just, you know, he, he might look back in his career and go, why didn't I just go in the summer? This He's just sort of paddled through. Yeah. Nah, if you're a, a real passionate player... Don't let this don't let this season slip. It could have anything could have happened this I'm season. I'm surprised that Mourinho is not using Ericsson more because he seems to be using him as an impact sub at the moment. In the last kind of 20 minutes of a game, he's coming on. He's starting very few games at the moment, and mm. I would have thought. I mean, it wonder whether what it says about the player's mentality and his headspace at this current stage, which would have affected his form over the last 12 months with the contract negotiations going on that he isn't playing because he could be such an important part for Jose Mourinho and his Tottenham team, and he's not really playing that role which would suggest he is on the way out and if you're Spurs and you're looking at that you're going well do we get our 25 million now he's coming on for 20 minutes at the end yeah. of the game or do we wait to the summer and use him till the summer I think we'll see him going to Inter Milan but I also think that relies on Inter Milan offloading a couple of players because they're getting a very fat squad there and they're going to be flirting with the edge of FFP as well mm, yeah interesting okay let's move on now and talk about Tottenham Hotspur's possible new incoming rather than outgoing. Willian, not the one at Chelsea, but the one at Real Sociedad. He's a striker called Willian Jose. He's six foot three. He's a big chap. He's got 46 league goals in 112 La Liga appearances. He's been at Sociedad since 2016. He uh, is a Brazilian, so, you know, speaks Portuguese. Well, no, Mourinho wouldn't obviously know that knows the language. He is Portuguese. So I think, you know, Spurs are looking for a striker, obviously, with Kane injured. I don't know whether this would be a good fit or not. I can't say I've seen too much of him, but certainly his record seems impressive. He's an imposing figure. He's got age on his side. He is 28. He Mm. seems to be in the right sort of form years of his career. So that might not be the worst move in the world for Tottenham. I think it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Sometimes with these transfers, they get rumoured because they just make a lot of sense. And there's one thing that Jose Mourinho needs at Tottenham with Harry Kane. It is a target man up front. You look, I mean, I haven't spoken about Spurs versus Norwich, but if you look at how they set up last night, He doesn't really know how to deal with the absence of Harry Kane. He played Mora up top, kind of as a one-man up front, with Son Mm. dropping back to midfield last night. The the game before, he played Son up front on his own as the the sole striker. So he hasn't quite got his head around how he's going to play without a target man. So the obvious solution is get a target man in. Willian seems, as with you, Niall, I don't really know a massive amount about him, but he seems like the right type of player because Spurs are in a difficult position they're not going to be able to go and sign that superstar to replace Harry Kane because whoever that superstar is is going to know that the second Harry Kane is fit again Mm -hmm. it's Harry Kane that's going to get that starting berth over him so it's not a genuine competition for places scenario it's literally a stopgap it's someone who is going to be Lorente v2 who's happy to come off the bench for the last 20 minutes of games or cover when Harry Kane is injured and Willian seems like that kind of player who at the age of 28 is going to be happy to take that step up to a bigger club and join Spurs 
and take the wages. Tottenham have had some duds with strikers they've signed in the past, though, haven't they? Like Soldado and Vincent Janssen. And I'm just thinking oh, yes. that he kind of he's in this sort of. I'm not. Don't want to write the lad off. I don't. I've never seen him play a game of football in my life, so I don't want to write him off. But I just get that almost sort of jittery feeling when you see Spurs are going to sign a striker. It almost feels like whoever they sign might not. Because they've got Kane to live up to at the end of the day. Yeah. I know you don't like Harry Kane at all. <laughs> okay. I thought they might have looked to loan a player or something like that. But no, I think if uh, maybe maybe it's just what the Tottenham do obviously need that that striker, and maybe Jose Reno's seen something in him, and maybe that player knows that this is this is the role he's going to fulfil. And uh, you know he could come into Spurs, cause a bit of a a, a worldly moment over the next couple of months, make his uh, place in the Premier League, mm. and then a team on the rise who've got a bit more money might fancy. Him, you know, at the end of the season, it might be a little stopgap for for somewhere else. This player might want to play in the Premier League, so you know he could be playing for Tottenham this season, but maybe move on to a mid-table side and do a lot of uh, a lot of good work for them. So you you never know what the yeah. the angle is for the player. Something um, slightly unusual about him is his parent club before he joined Real Sociedad was Deportivo Maladonia, which, as we all know, is in Uruguay, don't we? Yeah, of course we do. Uh, while he was there, he was there for five years. He went out on eight different loan spells. Ooh. which is a slightly unusual thing for a player to do. And I know it's slightly different in South America. Quite often players get sent out on loan as a potential, yeah. kind of like a try-before-you-buy kind of scenario. But it, there's something slightly unusual about going out on eight loan spells, whether he's a player that struggles to settle at a club or not, I don't know. And one of the, one of the loans was to Real Madrid, believe it or not, which <laughs> is a bit of a weird one. If he's good enough for Real Madrid, perhaps he's good enough for Jose Mourinho at Tottenham. Jose Mourinho is also... Uh, patched up any rumours that there's a rift between him and Danny Rose. Danny Rose says he was going to leave the club at the end of his 18-month deal, which runs out in the summer, which means as of this month, he's free to talk to other clubs. Apparently, according to Sky, six different Premier League clubs are interested in Danny Rose. Would you take him at West Ham, Jim? Of course I would. Of course I would. <laughs> Premier League clubs. <laughs> I mean, is he, is he better than what we've got? Yeah. Is he better than what a fair portion of Premier League clubs probably half the Premier League clubs have got. Yeah, he is. He's a decent player still. And I know he's reaching the wrong end of his career. He's 29. This is his, probably his last big money move, a four-year contract somewhere. But he'll be attracting a lot of interest. I don't know why Spurs don't want to hang on to him. I think it's more he wants a new challenge, which I think we're seeing a lot of at Tottenham with Ericsson and now we're seeing it with Rose. Will well, he he'll have... go to Inter Milan because well, everybody this is else gonna, This is what I was going to say. Is he going to have an eye on his old mate Kieran Trippier, Joe, who went to Atletico Madrid and perhaps think, oh, I've done with the Premier League. Forget the six clubs interested. I'm going to go and set up camp with my family and my wife and move to Spain or move to Italy somewhere nice, yeah. buy a nice villa and chill out by the pool in the sun rather than the, the freezing cold English weather. Yeah, I think so. Maybe, you know, you still have a bit of a, um, a chat with uh, Trippier and you might say, you know, how is your life out there? You don't know what you, what his sort of time is in, in Madrid, but you might be buzzing. So that might give Danny Rose a bit of a, well, let's see what I can do. Especially when you look the likes of Inter Milan, I've gone for Ashley Young this year. So you could actually scratch your head and go, could I be winning the Serie A next year for a big uh, Italian club? If if Ashley Young's challenging for one at the minute, which is bizarre when you say that out loud. <laughs> so, you know, you might see a lovely Italy, uh, trophies, something uh, to remember is his career by. It could be a nice move for him. Yeah, if you're a defender be, as well, going to Italy, it extends your career by a couple of years because you're not expected to get up and down the pitch like you yeah, are in yeah, the Premier yeah. League. You do perform, it's it's a bit of a 
cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. But you do form part of a solid back four, don't you? That's the way Italian football works. They like their defensive football. They expect their defenders to defend. Yeah, it certainly feels like Milan is a Premier League graveyard at the moment. There were players going over there to either Inter or AC at this moment in time. Right then, plenty of passion on today's podcast. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Jim. Hopefully you guys are in better spirits the next time your team's (laughs) playing, the next time you're on the podcast. I've been Niall. Thanks for listening to the show. As we said before, any questions for us or you want to shout out on the show, leave us a review or send us a tweet at the Sports Social on Twitter. It's at Sports Social on Instagram as well. But that's it for now. Make sure you hit subscribe. You'll never miss a show again. And we'll speak to you tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply